Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Hello, 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 and welcome to a Memorial Day weekend slash week, I guess, edition of Nosebleeds WFUV's one and only baseball podcast, as far as I know, at least. It's a wonderful week of baseball, as it always is this time of year. My name is Dylan Balsamo here with you this afternoon, morning, evening, whenever it is you're watching this, along with my partner and my good friend, Mr. Andrew Galata. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing great. I mean, yes, as you said, baseball, it's Memorial Day. You know, you, you get the hot dogs, hamburgers, some baseball. It, it's always a really fun time for baseball. You kind of hit in that stride of the year where now you kind of see who's, you know, good, who's not so good. And I got to say, I mean, it's, it's always nice to have my Mets in it. In Memorial Day. It's always nice, I got to say. It's it's a beautiful thing, and it's not something that you and I always get to see. So Exactly. There are many years where they're already out by only two months into the season. <laughs> it, it, it's really incredible. Where I, I, think, I think there were many Mets years in the past where a successful season is you're in the playoff run until June. And you're like, my goodness, June? So this is, this is really something because, you know, we're about to get into talking about how this is a really, this is a real contender of a team. And, you know, coming into the season, the new owner, Steve Cohen, had said something along the lines of three to five years until they're a, to a world series is, is in the, in the near future. And Andrew, it's really looking like no matter what happens, what atrocities happen for them on the field in terms of injuries, in terms of misfortunes and delays and all these different crazy things that they've had to endure, they continue to win baseball games. It's really, it's crazy. This is, I think, the first time, you know, when looking at this Mets team go all the way back forever, I feel like when you have all, all this against them and they're still winning games, I mean, they are. And, you know, that, that's a testament to, I think, Luis Rojas, who definitely catches a lot of flack from Mets fans and even fans around the league. This team's five games over 500. I believe they're still three and a half games up here, you know, in the uh, division. The rotation looks really good. I know the Syndergaard setback is going to hurt, but when you have DeGrom, you have Taiwan Walker pitch really good. Uh, coming back from the injured list, Marcus Stroman still looks really solid. And then this bullpen, which, I mean, has been outstanding more than I think anyone ever thought that they could do. I think everyone thought they would have to add at the deadline. I'm looking at now, like, this bullpen's really solid. And, I mean, the hitting is always going to be, I think, the issue for this team. But I think with the pitching and then also the defense, too, I think it's a big thing to talk about. Uh, when you have hitting, you have you, – or, excuse me, you have pitching – you have um, defense. That's going to be a tough out down the line. And even when you have all of these injuries, and you know, I know we'll get into it, but even when you have that stuff, pitching, defense, it's translatable, and we've seen it so far with the Mets. That lead that you speak of, three-and-a-half leads in – three-and-a-half game lead, <laughs> I should say, in the National League East, that's the largest division lead anywhere crazy. in six divisions <laughs> of baseball right now, which is not something anyone expected. And granted, they've played – uh, almost a dozen fewer games than, than some That's team true. in baseball due to the incredible amount of setbacks that they've had, whether it be losing the first three games of the season because uh, the Nationals uh, had cases of the coronavirus or the 
incredible amount of rain that the New York area has uh, has witnessed this this spring season. It's more than I'm uh, typically used to here in Jersey. Uh, but uh, let me tell you something, Andrew. You talk about that bullpen, and it what's really incredible about it is that really did seem to be the the Achilles heel of successful Mets team to the last few, whether that be the 2015 team that couldn't, that couldn't close out a game and they relied on, on great starts from DeGrom that were good enough to get you through nine innings, which is not always the case. You look at 2016, Syndergaard had a great start in that wild card game. They just couldn't hold on. They were not able to secure things. That's more of an offensive thing than anything else. You look at the 2019 team that was contending up until the end of August, beginning of September, it, you know, the bullpen has been such a huge issue and to see that be the least of worries um, is really gratifying. If you're uh, someone who follows the Mets, if you're in the Mets front office, it's something uh, that's really impressive to watch quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I think been not unlikely cast of characters, but the way Castro pitched in 2019 wasn't that good. And Miguel Castro has been outstanding for this team. Edwin Diaz, kind of the same thing. And, I'm, st- I'm still saying it, it's the it's the pitching music, the walk-in music that he gets. That changed everything. I don't know what it does because he had it when he was with the Mariners. And then for some reason, he got rid of it in 2019. And then he brings it back last year and now this year. And he's been outstanding. That has to be it. And then you talk about a guy like Familia who looked dead in the water. He's come back. He's looked good. I mean, Trevor May has been solid. Really, the bullpen. I mean, everybody, even like Sean Reed Foley, like the long guys who I know got uh, sent down today. But it's been like, I don't know, it's something that as a Mets fan, it, it really is something crazy because, you know, you, you used to think it's bullpen games and, and the Mets have had quite a few because of the injuries. These bullpen games, you think, oh, automatic loss. I mean, this bullpen, it really, you know, ha- hasn't been the case. And it seems like Seth Lugo, I believe he's coming back off the injured list tonight, which would be a, it's a huge boost for this bullpen because he can go multiple innings. And now you can use that even more because you're hoping he won't have to ever pitch back-to-back innings or back-to-back games, excuse me because you have Diaz, you have all the other, you know, pitchers that have been really been so solid. And that's something that, I don't know, it's something, it's new with the Mets. I mean, you talk about it with going forward. This is not like Addison Reed coming in the ninth, eighth inning to close the game. It's not Familia when, you know, back when he was having his struggles, you know, you can go, I mean, last year in 2019, you could have all the cast of characters that this team brought in. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different bullpen. And I, I think they're getting the reinforcements at the right time with Lugo. So hopefully everyone doesn't get burnt out, which I think is a problem. You know, I think especially when, you know, the starting pitching has been hurt a lot. I mean, it's been great, but you know, sometimes when you have all these bullpen games, it's been tough, but I mean, it, it's different. The Mets have been fundamentally sound, which is something new to say. I mean, looking at the games they're winning, they're not giving up a lot of runs, a lot of quick games, which is, I guess, nice as well. Um, those are the Mets. When the Mets are good, they're always playing quick games for me. It's like 2015, you had the amazing staff and they would always just, you know, play really quick games. 2016, kind of the same way. And now again, here in 2020, hopefully they can continue it. And look, the offense, that's going to be the worry, but you kind of just have to weather the storm until they come back, until all these guys come back. Pete Alonzo and somehow Kevin Pilar is coming back, you know, after the, the, uh, the hit to the head. I mean, I, that's one tough dude. He's back and only after a few weeks. Um, but yeah, definitely this Mets team, they're looking really solid. And you're talking about the rain and all that stuff. The Mets in their last homestand, I believe they only lost one game. They were like four and one and they had three rain out. So it was just a classic Mets homestand here, especially because they've been like 14 and five at home, but with all these rain outs. <laughs> and you could honestly say that they swept the Braves in that series. Yeah, They were one in the series because the 
because of all the rain we had in, in New York this weekend. I was actually just down, uh, down at the Jersey Shore and uh, for what was supposed to be a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. And it was one of the worst weekends of my life. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Um, that's beside the point. You, you know, uh, to wrap things up about the bullpen here, you know, it, it really is those, the, the amount of tools that you have to work with is just uh, tenfold the amount that this staff typically works with. I mean, you, you talk about Familia. Familia's career has looked dead in the water multiple times over the last half decade. So to, to, to watch, uh, to watch him really come to fruition here is gratifying uh, to watch Edwin Diaz really come into his own form here and, and take a real uh, position of admiration for this team and its fan base. That seems to be a very important thing um, to success with the Mets is, is yeah. have some kind of soft spot with, with the fan base is, is, is key. But then, you know, you talk about guys like, like Jacob Barnes, for example, it's just someone who, who pops up almost every other game, it seems to me. <laughs> yeah. And he just is always in, in every bullpen game and every situation he has been there, but it's been those fundamentals you talk about. And speaking of those fundamentals, something that you mentioned that I don't think it's talked about nearly enough is that defensively yeah. right now, this team, even in the face of losing, really your only suitable first baseman and <laughs> your only suitable third baseman. Like there has been so much happening and you look at guys like I'm, I would argue all-star first baseman, James McCann <laughs> and gold glove winner and silver slugger winner at third base, Jonathan VR. You yeah. look at guys like them and they have been so defensively sound that of course, no runs are getting passed. Of course, no runs are getting passed. Also, you got to look at the catchers, too. I mean, you know, when Nito's been out there, he's been throwing guys out. When was the last time I saw, like, the, the Mets kind of throw a guy out at second on, like, almost a regular basis at this point? And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, I've never seen anything anything like this. And you had Wilson Ramos before who, you know, definitely was not known for his defense, and, that, and that's putting it lightly. And then, you know, even before that, Travis Darno, who I would say is average, definitely not as good as what the Mets, even between McCann and Nito, I think both of them, you know, were were really solid and – um, that's something also that, you know, again, I feel like you got to give it to the depth and what this, the Mets have done, uh, because you talk about VR, I feel like making like a diving catch, like every other day, which is always great to see. And then, yeah, I feel like whoever they put at first base, it's always that it's always in the shift and, you know, whoever's up, they hit like a little, like a ground ball where like the second baseman would be. And the first baseman's making a dive and play the other way, throwing it back to the pitcher. I think that's happened with, um, Pete Alonso did it. And I think Dom Smith did it. And now James McCann's in it. So I think all of them have made that, that sliding play to their right. Um, but yeah, this defense is, it's, it, it is, you know, definitely a huge part to how they're winning these games. I mean, look at it, one nothing, three one, four two. 4-2. Defense is a huge part of those. And especially when, you know, your lineup, right, you know, before this, hopefully it will change now. But, you know, when you have Cameron Maben and Khalil Lee and, you know, Janesque Vargas and all these guys, if you're getting, you know, some quality defense, that's, you know, it, it does make the world and it makes a difference here in these games. It absolutely does. And, and you know, you look at um, the Mets of, of, of recent years and you can, you can honestly look at them and think, um, you know, defensively they have made a ton of errors, not just physical errors as in on the score <laughs> sheet, but coaching-wise they've made a lot of errors in where they positioned players. You know, you look at the first couple of years of Daniel Murphy's career, I would argue really the first three or four, and trying to play him at first base and third base. There was by the, the time outfield. Started, by the time he was truly the starting second baseman, it was their third attempt trying to put him at second base. And finally it worked. And you look at a guy like 
like Dom Smith, and, and there was a question of where he was going to play. He's really made his own in left field at this point. And you, you look at someone like uh, like a guy you, I know you and I both admire, Wilmer Flores. Who, yeah. He had a lot of trouble where he was going to end up playing. And it, it seems like right now the Mets are in a really good place if they have a bunch of guys who not only know their position very well, but can play the field in a way that they've always kind of built themselves to play. But, you, you know, we've talked about – the bullpen and pitching and, and defense here. And, you know, offensively, we know there's been struggles and, you know, Francisco Lindor's um, issues at the plate this year have been very well documented. And you and I both know that well, as does anyone who's been following the team. But, you know, you, you look at this team and they're in a good spot. So the question is, is it time to reevaluate? Cause I think a lot of people and, and correct me if I'm wrong in thinking you're also in the school of thought, but a real success, a reasonable success for them this year is that first wild card spot. That's really the thing you're going for. Is it time to reevaluate or is it still too early? It's like for me, I was expecting the Mets to be kind of around 500 at this point until they got all the reinforcements back. And this was before the season where their whole lineup got hurt. That was when Syndergaard and Lugo and Carrasco, I was expecting them if they can just, you know, meander around 500, they'll be fine. And I say that because I think once this team gets healthy, I think that pitching staff is too good to not win off like a 10 game winning streak. I I do think it is. And I I still believe that. And now, you know, you're five games over and, you know, they've definitely flirted with 500 at times going under and stuff like that, but they're kind of right where I kind of expected this team to be. What I didn't expect is the Braves to be under 500 at this point. And that's, I I think where you change your expectations because if this Braves team, you know, is not a 90 win, win winner, or, you know, 90 game winner, I should say. And the Phillies and all the other teams, they're going to be hovering around 80 games. I do expect the Mets to be around that 90 win mark. And I, and I still do that. Now, maybe the bar is lowered for an NLE's title because of the way the, the Braves have been playing. And I think, you know, for the Mets, it's going to be interesting. I, like these games were postponed when the Braves weren't playing that well. It's, and we'll see how that kind of plays into, you know, effect down the road. Maybe the Braves will have righted the ship. We'll kind of have to see, but I kind of expect the Braves to turn it around. I think they're just too good of a team. I think it's going to be closer now, though, you know, as people expect. And, I mean, three and a half games right now, that's great, but it could be completely different even next month. So, like, right now, I'm still playoffs. And just, like, this team makes the playoffs, I'd be so, so happy just knowing where this team came from. Like, just over the last 10 years, I've seen the ups and the downs of this Mets, you know, organization. And if they can be a 90-game winner, and if that's an analyst title – or if it's a first wild card, which I think with DeGrom on the mound, I think they'd win. I, I, I'd i be happy with this Mets team. You know, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that for a multitude of reasons. For one, you know, we don't really know what the final shape of the Mets team is going to be and, and the struggles they're going to have to face as an overall team come the real stretch time, which is, I would argue, is late July, early August is when – that's the true that's the true testament of a major league team, I think, is how you play in those weeks is says a lot about who you are as a team and what the narrative of your season is going to be. But also, you know, you talk about the Braves, they're going to pick things up eventually. We know that. And I also wouldn't count out the Phillies. They've had a lot of trouble, uh, specifically with injuries of Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, Didi Gregorius, you name it. Um, but when they're all healthy, they are just as dangerous as anyone in this division. So I wouldn't uh, count them out either. So what might end up happening in the NL East is that uh, those three teams specifically are so good. And then, you, you know, the, the Marlins and Nationals are able to take 
games from teams they tend to do. And then maybe 90 or so wins is all you need to win the division just because it's that evenly set. That could happen. It could be we have 300 win teams in the division. That's not going to happen. But you know what I mean? Um, so I, it, it might be that the Mets could squeak through and get the division title. But, you know, like you said, I don't want to bet on that. Speaking of not betting on anything, if you were to ask me to take a bet on the Yankees in the beginning of this season, my bet would not be where they are now, having just been swept by the Tigers, losing to the Rays on opening day in the middle of the American League East division here on Memorial Day. Uh, to be honest, Andrew, it, it's, it's making me question everything I know about baseball. It doesn't make any sense at all. You know, it also makes no sense about this Yankees team. And like, you know, look, they're still four games over 500. So they're not like, you know, in the dumps. But when they're winning games and when they're doing well, it's when they're pitching. Yeah. Like, who would have expected that, you know, coming into this season? That's why it's like, that's baseball. And like with this Yankees team, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely puzzling. Cause I thought, I thought they were playing better, better baseball. I mean, that's what it really looked like. They were playing better baseball. They were getting out of that. They started five and 10 and then they were like 10 games over 500 after that. And everything was looking good. And then all of a sudden, you know, they lost the blue Jay series and then, you know, they traveled to Detroit and you get swept. And you were thinking that was the easy series because now you get the Rays who just like they can't lose a baseball game right now. And then you have the Red Sox right after that who, you know, are basically just as good as the Rays. And those are, you know, important games, division games. And if you're playing your worst baseball against when these teams are playing their best baseball, that's what scares me about this Yankees team. And I don't think that they're going to like, you know, get swept, you know, against the Rays and get swept against the the Red Sox. And they're like eight games out. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but it, to me, this this Yankees team, I, I think they'll be there at the end. I think this hitting's too good. My question is, is how long can this pitching really carry them? That's what I'm worried about. Because I think the Mets, I think their pitching staff is really solid. I like what they're doing. Um, I, I think it's sustainable. This Yankees pitching staff, Cole's been great. Kluber's been great. And then it's, you know, been kind of up in the air the rest of the way, just throughout their career, guys' careers. And like, is Domingo Herman, is he really going to be a three RA pitcher? Is even Corey Kluber, is he going to stay at, you know, the top of his game? That's what worries me with this Yankees team. I think the offense ends up coming around, and I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. But if this offense keeps sputtering, this pitching staff, I don't think it's going to hold on for too much longer. Yeah, I certainly, you know, you look at the Yankees offensively, I certainly would not have thought that the most consistent hitter for average at this point in the year was Giancarlo Stanton. That's not what you expect <laughs> out of a guy like Giancarlo, nothing against yeah. him. <laughs> but you know it's it, I find it very interesting that it's that you drew that comparison to the Mets and their pitching staff and and how they were able to sustain them because the position Garrett Cole specifically and we could talk about Corey Kluber as a separate kind of conversation here but Garrett Cole specifically has been so incredibly dominant that it can almost give you a rose tinted glass a rose tinted glasses type look at what this Yankees team has been and what their season has been like because you, you look at someone like Jacob DeGrom and what he has represented for the Mets for the last couple of years. You look at something that Matt Harvey kind of represented for the Mets back in, in the prime of his career is, you, you know, that confidence that every fifth day you, you're getting seven shots. All you got to do is score two runs and you're going to be just fine. That can be incredibly misleading to where you stand as a team because that's only every fifth day. You know, a 200 winning percentage is not going to put you yeah. anywhere near the playoffs. So, and, and another thing about the Yankees, and I'm interested in your opinion on this, is, you know, you look at a lot of teams and you watch the, over, the overarching narrative of their season, 
And a game like uh, an event like forced consecutive walk-offs, an event like uh, a walk-off walk that Judge mm-hmm. scored on last week to win their last game on Sunday, it, it makes you think like that's all. You, that's the bunt single that's going to end the the slump. You know what I mean? The Yankees continue to have opportunities like that. Corey Kluber's no hitter is a great example. Uh, opportunities to ride momentum. And they just never, ever take it. And it just confuses me as, as to where is, where's the enthusiasm coming from? You know, that might sound a little, you know, <laughs> based, but like, you know, that's an important part of the morale of a team is where is this enthusiasm coming from? Where's the want to win? It's just, it doesn't seem like it's there right now. Like, with the, like, like you were talking about, like, this was the, like, I don't know how you get swept by the Tigers. I mean, nothing against the Tigers, but you can't do that if you're, you know, if you're trying to, it's, especially when your stretch is Rays, Red Sox, and they're both 15 games over 500. Yeah. You can't lose those games. Like, the, the, that to me is the most, you know, puzzling thing about this Yankees team. And it's like, I think they'll be there at the end. And I've said that, you know, I, I think this team is going to be, you know, in the playoffs. And for me, it's always been like, what can they do in the playoffs? And, you know, we've known that their struggles in the playoffs, you know, it's been there. Um, to me, they remind me of my New Orleans Saints. They get to the playoffs, they get to the championship series, and then they lose, and they, they, but they're always there. And can they now break down the door? And right now, it's like you had a chance to really, you know, get some momentum, as you were saying, and they, and they didn't against the Tigers. And then before that, against the Blue Jays, it's just because they can't score, score runs consistently. I mean, you look at during this little sputter that they've had against the Jays, and then the Tigers, they scored two runs, no runs. Then they won a game and scored five runs. Then two runs, one run, two runs, one run. That, I mean, that's not going to, you know, win you many games. And again, you know, you don't have Caracol going on the mound every night. And eventually, I think this, this Yankees, and the, and the Yankees bullpen has been outstanding too. So I don't want to take that away from that. Roldis Chapman's looked really good. But, you know, when you're only scoring two, three, one runs, you're on a very – you know, t- a thin line, very, you're, you're walking that tight, ro- t- tight rope as a Mets fan. I know that I've lived it like, and, and the Yankees, I, I, again, like you look at the guys and also is concerning is that it's not like a lot of guys are hurt either. You know, judges in the lineup, Stanton just came back. Rochelle has been there. LeMahieu. I mean, they're all there. Glaber Torres and they're not putting up the runs. That to me is, a you know, is concerning. I think they'll turn it around because I do think this lineup is just too good. They have too much talent, but It'll be interesting to see where the Yankees are next week after the Rays and after their first series with the Red Sox. And, you know, if they, you know, get swept and lose, you know, two out of three against the Red Sox, this is, you know, a team that maybe does cause for concern because now you're in June. And if guys still aren't hitting, it's, it's a really, it could be a very sticky situation for them. Andrew, you talk about the saints and they have been good for, uh, for yeah. a long period of time, specifically in the regular season. But this Yankee team is looking like if the 2021 Saints went seven and nine out of nowhere, sure. you'd be like, oh, this is, this is kind of the equivalent. I can see where you're drawing that. But, you know, you talk about, you know, their, their, the amount of runs they're scoring, two runs a game, one runs a game, one, one runs, one <laughs> run a game, excuse me. And you, you start to wonder, you know, with the exception of Garrett Cole, where's the money going? The the yeah. money the, the yeah. money on the on the, the New York Yankees franchise is all on the offense. Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, and the, the DJ LeMahieu. So much. And you, you look, you got you got a batting champion, you got two home run champions, you got a National League MVP, you got 
a rookie of the year. You're, you're paying all of this money to score runs because you're in one of the smallest ballparks in baseball. You're playing in the American League. This is a team that should be getting 100 walks a month and then be hitting 103 run home runs a month. You know what I mean? This is, this is that, what that team is built for. So when you're not producing like that, the question is, where is your money going? Because right now, it's not going anywhere. I mean, you know, you talk about the main boffers not coming through. Today, the Yankees, you know, when we're recording this, uh, they lost 3-1 here. And their first five hitters, I believe, yeah, first five hitters, they were one for 20. Mm. That's, I mean, they got the run from a Miguel Andujar home run. But besides that, LeMahieu 0 for 4, Stanton 0 for 4, Judge 1 for 4, Urshela 0 for 4, Glaber Torres 0 for 4. That's going to scratch your head if you, you know, you, you know, if you're if you're a Yankees fan. And that causes concern because it's not like the Mets where you have minor leaguers or backups in there and they're not scoring runs. These are your guys. And maybe it's just, you know, an extended cold stretch. I still think the Yankees are going to come around because these guys are just too good. I mean, you, you just named all their accolades and you know, there's probably more too. Like this team yeah. just to me is, you know, they're just, they're too, and they play in a band box as well. So you put yeah. them all together. Um, I, I just don't see this Yankees team, you know, being an 80 win team, like that would be such a failure. And, you know, I, I you know, when I was this off season, I was a little wary of this Yankees team, knocks the hitting, the pitching, to be honest, because, you know, the way they were, I mean, yes, Kluber's pitched well, but, you know, I, I think they could have made a real splash. And you, know, you could talk about maybe they could have on the offense as well, but they didn't. They kind of ran, you know, brought the band back together and, you know, ran those guys out. And if, you know, you're an 80-win team, that would say a lot, you know, to me where the Yankees are. That, I think, puts a lot of, you know, guys in important positions like Aaron Boone on the hot seat for sure. And, again, I, I think this stretch, this next week where you've got the Rays and Red Sox, <laughs> if you lose those series – you know, and then you're sputtering with the 500 mark. I, I like this is a very tight, you know, rope the Yankees are walking, and we'll see what they now can do. Now maybe they'll turn it around and have a great, you know, few few series, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that either. But um, this is a huge pivotal point, only in June, but a pivotal point here in the Yankee season. This coming week will indeed be very telling. I completely agree with you there. And you know, you just mentioned how the 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 top five in the lineup today for the Yankees went over four. The fact that they all all got four at bats today means that the bottom of the lineup is hitting. Yeah. They were able to get guys on base and the top of the lineup could not produce like they're supposed to. So again, where is the money going? I'm I, the real yeah. question is where is the money? <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> I'm getting a little off topic, but there's, there's one more topic I, I want to hit uh, quickly on this Memorial Day edition of Nosebleeds. Again, thank you for joining us if you're listening. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about the Mets' delays and their, um, their issues of being able to play ball games earlier <laughs> in this episode. And Andrew, you and I have, for that reason, been watching a lot of seven-inning doubleheaders, uh, which are new to baseball. This is the second season we've seen them. The first full season, of course, last year was... Uh, shortened 60 game COVID season. But Andrew, I, I want your opinion on the seven inning doubleheaders because a lot of people don't like them. And I'm not completely sure if I agree with them. So I'm curious of your thoughts. So as a Mets fan, and, you know, I think number one thing, I think, you know, I want to see the Mets win. That, that's my, you know, thing. 
And the Mets are good in seven game, inning double headers. I don't know why, but for some reason, it's always like Stroman and DeGrom or like Stroman and Walker. They both go six innings. They hand it right to Diaz or right to Cash or whatever it may be. And then they get the win like two nothing. And that's great. And like, you know, as a Mets fan, I love that. And I, you know, it's just, it is interesting. I, I think, you know, only playing 14 innings instead of the, you know, the normal 18 for the double header, I think it helps managers. And I've seen, you know, with the Mets, I've seen them um, go through bullpen pitcher after bullpen pitcher. And then the next few games, you, you know, it definitely hurts you. So I think in that, in that respect, it's good um, over such a long season. It, it is interesting. I, I'm just curious to see how I feel probably in July when the Mets have played so many, how I feel. Yeah. Um, Cause like I, I was before, I was like, Oh, seven inning double letters. That's not good. We got to play nine innings, nine innings. And that's, I, I, I do think that's kind of probably still where I stand as a whole, but what I will say is baseball is 162 game season. It's extremely long. If there were seven, seven inning games, it probably wouldn't make that big of a difference at the end of the day. And if it helped your bullpen out in the long run, and especially with starters going, you know, deep, uh, less deeper, shallower and shallower into games. Again, it's, I wouldn't, you know, it's one of those rules with baseball. Like I wouldn't fight for like, if they would have introduced, like I, I would be fine with it. If that would mean like, for me, I don't like the playoffs being expanded. I'd much rather have the regular playoffs and then these seven inning double headers than something, you know, like the, than the opposite. So like, it's not my, you know, it's not my, like, it's, it's not on like, it's not awful, especially when you're not playing as many. I think it gets overhyped, especially when you lose a game one, nothing. And you know, you're on the, the negative side of things, but I think over 162 games, it probably evens itself out. And it's probably, and, and I think to managers, the bullpen pitchers, it's probably beneficial in those types of games. I will say that. Understood completely, Andrew. And, and, and here's my thing. So personally, I've been enjoying them very much. So not even just for, for the Mets sake, <laughs> um, but he, he, here's the, the important thing. Baseball's biggest problem right now has nothing to do with anything other than maintaining a generation that is having trouble paying attention to a game that lasts so long and can be rather esoteric when you're not involved in a 24 seven, like you and I are. So that results in, you have to do a couple of things. One, uh, for one thing, I'm all for shortening the season. Personally, I think you could, yeah. <laughs> you could rip like 25 games off the season quite easily. Uh, but that's a whole, whole, whole yeah. and I, and, and there are reasons plenty. If they expand the playoffs, they, they got to shorten that season. They, they have to shorten. So they're going to be playing 12, 12 months a year. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, it, and for me, the, the big thing is, uh, and just in my conversations with people who are not baseball fans in, in, in my own watching of games and, and my own attention span, three hours is too long to maintain most people's attention. People like you or me or people who sit in the writer's press box or people who are calling the game or people who watch every pitch of every game of every season, um, they'll be fine watching for three, three and a half hours, sometimes four hours. But most people are not up for that. So if baseball wants to maintain a fan base and keep a young fan base that is not set in the traditionalist ways that keep the game from progressing. They're going to have to think of ways to make the game itself shorter. Um, does that mean doing seven inning double headers? I don't know. I don't know if it's the right answer, but at least for that reason, I have personally been enjoying it. Baseball is really, a, it's a catch 22 with yeah. baseball in the games because 
games go longer when there's more action. And when games go short, you usually get one nothing pitcher duels, which I think are really fun. I love, love like, when to go, like, and like, I, th- I think, again, as a Mets fan, you know, you, you, you play so many of them. So like, you know, you get used to them. And I like the one, the one nothing games. I like the two one games. I like that. Cause you know, usually you get more strategy in it. You get the close games. I do like that. You get the, you still get the big at bats, hopefully, you know, in those types of games. So maybe that is kind of where you want to be, but like when it's the slug it out seven, three games and the home runs are there, which is good, but then you're playing three and a half hour games, four hour games. And like, I, you know, that's a lot of the American league side with the Yankees and the Red Sox. I know are like notoriously known for playing really long games for that, for that same reason. Uh, so it's like kind of that catch 22, like you could have more action, but then you have more time and, or maybe you can have the one, nothing games, which I really like personally. I don't know how many people out there also like one, nothing pitcher duels, um, which I don't even know. Maybe people do. I really not hundred percent sure, but that's kind of the catch 22 with baseball, because even when games are short, then you may get into the one, nothing boring type games. Games are longer. You get into these, you know, eight, six slug fests where you're like, even I'm like, you know, you know we got to pick up these games, like the course field games, whatever the Mets play at course field, like those games are like four and a half hours. (laughs) I'm just like, so like that's kind of the catch. Not because they're hitting home runs. Yeah. (laughs) So that those, that's like the catch 22 of baseball. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I'll I'll end quickly with a little anecdote here. Um, There's a book we have here in our house. Uh, It's a, I guess like a coffee table book that the New York times put out a couple years ago. Um, it's basically telling the history of the Yankees through New York Times articles over the last 110, 115 years. I opened to a random page the day we got the book, and it was 1913, I think it was. Final game of the Yankees season. It was an hour and 45 minutes. Nine inning game, hour 45 minutes. There's no reason that can't happen in 2021. There's no reason. Corporations, put the year you go to the side. I want an hour, 45 minute baseball game. I think the Mets got one with DeGrom when he pitched a seven inning game. I think they got one. <laughs> they did. They absolutely did. And I, I loved every second of it. But with that, if we don't, uh, if we don't pay attention and, uh, to ourselves, we're going to make this podcast go an hour. 45 minutes. So I'll cut it off right now. Thank you so much to all of you that have uh, listened through this wonderful episode of nosebleeds, my partner, Andrew Galata, myself, Dylan Balsamo. We have been, very grateful you've joined us. Please go and enjoy a week of baseball. Watch the Yankees, watch the Mets, watch every team. And we'll be here with you next week on Nosebleeds, a production of WFUV Sports. Have a good week. Take care.